name is Brian Filco. I'm the CEO of Houston-based Jetco Delivery and Executive Vice President of Montreal-based, the GTI Group. And today, I want to talk to you about the trucking insurance market. As you know, premiums are spiraling out of control, and that's if you're safe. Some companies cannot afford their insurance any longer or are simply uninsurable. Things are changing quickly. The reason for changes include nuclear verdicts. Verdicts in excess of $10 million for trucking injuries are becoming more and more common. That's impacting premiums as well as insurance carrier appetite for risk. In addition, the legal system is rigged against truckers. The plaintiff system is out of control. Settlements are being extracted even when the trucker bears no fault. It's a difficult system. We need to end lawsuit abuse. We need to get involved in our state legislatures to lobby against lawsuit abuse. But the reality is we can't control that. Nuclear verdicts and lawsuit abuse to a large extent are out of our control. So let's focus on what we can control. And that's our safety culture. I love this quote by McKinsey and Company. I think they got it right. Since American companies are no more successful at their culture and performance and their organizational health than they were 10 years ago, a blind spot seems to be the failure to involve frontline employees and frontline managers in the process. And you know what? I think that's the biggest challenge we've got with our safety cultures. Now, Let's define culture for a minute. I mean, there's books and books written about culture. I want to make it easy. In a healthy culture, you have nothing more than the convergence of the right people and the right process working in harmony. You can't have a company culture that's healthy if there's no process. You might have good people, but good people with no process is like herding cats. If you've got the wrong people, I don't care how good your process is. So to get the right safety outcomes, we have to have the right people, the right process working in harmony. And that's up to us as leaders. And that is in our control. First thing is let's take a look in the mirror and let's look at what's competing for safety in our organizations. See, because when insurance companies come in to underwrite, you might think they're looking at the spreadsheets. You might think they're looking at the numbers. And to an extent, they are. But make no mistake about it, in today's market, insurance companies are underwriting your safety culture. And if your safety culture is not healthy, underwriters are either going to know that or they're going to price it into your premiums. So let's look at what's competing for safety in our organizations. What are the key safety dysfunctions? Number one, delegated safety leadership. Safety starts at the top. Safety is a way of life. It's not a department. So as leaders in our companies, we have got to be involved with safety. We're not too busy to get into the details and we're not too busy to understand what's going on. And quite frankly, if we have an accident or a safety problem, Having you as the leader at the table sends the entire organization a message that this is important and we're not going to rest until we figure out what happened and how we prevent it going forward. Another safety dysfunction 
is a culture of blame. Now, I realize in a root cause analysis, we have to figure out who did it, what happened. But it's not about blame. It's about prevention. If we foster a culture of blame in our organization, what's going to happen? We're all going to run for cover. I'm going to say it's your fault. You're going to say it's my fault. We're all going to run away from the issue rather than lean into the issue, figure it out, figure out what happened and how we prevent it from happening again. Safety is more about prevention and a lot less about blame. Then there's a reactive safety approach. We only care about safety when there's accidents. We only care about safety when there's a mess on the floor. You know, we all grew up with the saying, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And that's true here. When it comes to safety, we have to be in front of the issues. We've got to capture close calls, near misses. We've got to have a culture that worries about safety, that has a chronic unease about safety all the time, not just when things are about to happen. And then the last dysfunction, of course, is let's just look the other way and it will go away. Happy talk, right? We're blind to the issues because, quite frankly, they're not fun to deal with and we don't want to deal with them. Well, we can have our head in the sand until we're no longer insurable. We can have our head in the sand until your competitors' premiums are 50, 60, 75% of yours because your competitors are working on safety every day and you're not. It's time for us to get our heads out of the sand, focus on safety because we can control it. We can control accident frequency. Perfection? No. But you know, Vince Lombardi said that perfection is not attainable. But if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence. And that's what this is about. It's about being better today than we were yesterday. It's about catching excellence. This is how we take control of the safety crisis that our industry is in. When doing that, I want to give you a few principles to keep in mind. First of all, dismiss severity. There is no such thing as a minor accident. So on the screen, we have a, a truck that obviously drove into some grass, right? Most people would look at that and say, well, no big deal. You know, it happens. What if this happened? What if the truck didn't drive in the grass? Instead, the driver hit a kid that was standing there. See, severity is a matter of luck. You've got to focus on the incident. In this case, the driver was clearly not paying attention to his surroundings and he drove off the road. It was only a matter of luck that he or she didn't run over a kid. Nothing more, nothing less. There is no such thing as a minor accident. Every accident must be treated with the same level of rigor if we're to learn, train, teach, and prevent. Because if we sweep all the minor accidents under the rug and only focus on the big ones, we're going to be really good at cleaning up the mess and we're not going to have a culture that in any way embraces prevention. Now, if you have a sign on the wall that says safety is our number one priority, tear it down now. Safety is not a priority. Safety is a non-negotiable core value. There's a big difference and words matter. You see, priorities shift. They change by the day. I could come to my office uh, today, tomorrow, 
at seven o'clock in the morning with a list of things to do. Those are my priorities. The phone rings. I have a customer problem. My priorities shifted. And you know what? That's the joy of being in business. On the other hand, values don't change. Values are immutable. They're the adhesive that binds our organization together. We don't have a planning session in November of 2020 saying, okay, in 2020, our values were integrity, respect, and safety. What should they be in 2021? It doesn't happen that way. Our values don't change. So safety is a value. It's not a priority. You never compromise your values. You never compromise safety. I don't care how great the production pressure is. I don't care how much work we have to do. You don't compromise safety. You don't cut corners. You don't let your team cut corners just because you've got a load that's hot, just because production pressure is high. You've got to keep safety as a core value so neither you nor your organization is ever tempted to compromise it because priorities have gotten in the way. In fact, look at these three blocks, safety, quality, production, and everything else. Can you imagine a scenario where you reorganize the blocks in a different way with safety being a non-negotiable core value? Is there ever a day where the quality production block comes above safety? Not if you really mean it. Not if safety is a core value. You have to have non-negotiable, absolute value alignment in your organization to get the safest possible outcome. And it starts with you. It starts with you as a leader. Your team will follow suit and they will, they will follow your lead. It's important to know the difference between power and authority. See, I may have a certain level of authority at my company by virtue of my title, by virtue of my job description, but that's not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in power. I'm interested in knowing who in my organization has the power to drive safe outcomes. And I would ask you this, is it one of us sitting at our desk, our, our CEO, our COO, our safety director, or is it our frontline employees? Our frontline employees are the ones making the safety sensitive decisions. Yet they're so often left out of the meetings and training and planning. What we've got to do is figure out how to harness the power of our front lines. Power, when it comes to safety, is more important than authority. Because safety is about behavior, philosophy, and attitude much more than it's about rules and regulations. When it comes to harnessing the power of your front lines, find your opinion leaders. You've got opinion leaders. Make no mistake about it. It's not your choice. It's your choice whether your opinion leaders are working for you or against you. In our company, one of the biggest changes that we made, this goes back several years, is we asked our drivers to elect a driver committee. And we knew who was going to win because they elected their opinion leaders. They elected people that they trusted. And now our driver committee is involved in our company's decisions, whether it has to do with safety, routes we run, pay, you name it, they're involved. Because we harnessed the power of the people that we thought could drive safety the best. And that leads me to the three T's. You know, safety is not about 600 page handbooks. In fact, I know companies that have had bonfires with their handbooks, okay? I realize the handbooks and rules are important. I really do. 
but you're not going to find the keys to prevention in handbooks. You're going to find the keys to prevention in behavior. And if you don't get the three T's right, you're not going to get the behaviors you desire. Treatment, transparency, and trust. Those are the three T's. Because in order to get into somebody's head and get them to behave safely, you have to get into their heart first. So the first T is treatment. You know, when I think of poor treatment, we're way beyond uh, HR types of poor treatment, human resource poor treatment. The ultimate form of poor treatment is anonymity. If we've got people that are punching in, punching out, we don't know anything about them other than, you know, your truck number 201, how are they going to feel? We need to treat people as human beings first and employees second. Now, when my company was a certain size, I knew something about most of our employees. As the company has grown, that's become very difficult. But it's my job to make sure that my managers know something about each of their employees. I'm not saying we have to be best friends, but we know what's going on. Are there special challenges at home? Uh, maybe there's a soccer tournament, right? We've got to know something about our employees because once our people know they're cared for, once our people know they matter, not just as a robot doing their job, but as a human being, they'll kill for us. They'll own safety in a way that somebody who's treated anonymously never will. Then there's transparency. You know, I hate Memo Mondays where a new memo comes out and here's our new rule, just do it. It doesn't work. In fact, if you tell me just to do something, I'm more likely to rebel than to do it. And I think that's true of most people. Transparency is giving people the courtesy and dignity to explain the why. It's taking a few minutes to say, we're making this change. We're adopting this new process. Here's why. Will you support me? Will you give it a try? I'm not saying this is a democracy, okay? We have to make changes that sometimes nobody has any input on. But if we're transparent and honest about it, people will tend to be more supportive. And finally, trust. Trust is all about you and me showing up and doing what we say. If we don't do what we say and we give people lip service, people will not trust our leadership or our organization, and they're never going to adopt our safe mission. I can't stand progressive discipline the way that most of us have been taught. Progressive discipline looks like this. You've been trained. If you did as you were trained, you wouldn't make a mistake. You made a mistake. You'll be punished. Now, if I was held to that standard, I would have been fired my second day on the job. We're all human and we all make mistakes. Why would we hold our front lines, our employees with their hands on the lever to a standard that you and I could never, ever achieve? I don't know about you, but if I'm on my second strike, my resume is on the street. I'm looking for another job. A better way to look at it is this. You're human. Humans make mistakes. Here's the key. Was it an honest mistake or reckless behavior? If the employee made an honest mistake, there's no need to discipline, document the mistake, train, coach, figure out ways to improve the system. On the other hand, if an employee made a, a reckless mistake, if an employee did something intentionally, I'll use the example of speeding through a school zone, I may not wait for a second strike or a third strike. One strike may be plenty. 
See, if you look at whether an employee made an honest mistake or engaged in reckless behavior, there's a sense of fairness in the organization. It's not one size fits all, lazy discipline, treat everybody the same way. You're looking at the behaviors that led to the incident so that people own the corrective action plan. Part of our mission to reduce accidents is to focus on the leading indicators. We spend too much time on lagging indicators, the accidents, the injuries, the fatality. Look at this accident pyramid for a minute. It says 30,000 unsafe conditions, decisions, behaviors, yields 3,000 minor accidents, 300 accidents with injuries, 30 uh, disablements, and one fatality. That's the pyramid. Now, you want to be good at cleaning up the mess, or do you want to focus on the base of the pyramid, which is behavior? I would argue that we're in a unique period right now because we've got technology to help us. But are we using technology to our fullest? Are we running away? Let's look at this accident video for a moment. As you can see in this video, this was a significant rear-end accident. And without camera technology in my trucks, I can guarantee you that we would have been held liable for that rear-end accident. But the video made it clear. It absolved our professional driver who was doing everything right under the circumstance. Yet so many companies run away from technology that can promote safety, that can promote the perfect behavior that we need. Let me give you a couple ideas for enabling technology and having an organization that embraces safety technology. And these are not new ideas. First of all, remember power versus authority? Bring your frontline opinion leaders into your technology decisions. Establish a beta group. Let your opinion leaders play with the technology, test it, give you input. Bring it into the organization slowly, not all at once. Now let's go back to the three T's, treatment, transparency, and trust. Well, a lot of concern exists with cameras because people don't trust their use, right? Are you going to use the cameras to spy on me? Well, I'll go back and say, no, I use them for coaching and I use them for uh, accident reconstruction. That's it, not spying. Now, if I violated that promise to my team, I broke the trust. I'm done. So make sure that there's trust because if there's no trust, you're not going to be able to uh, at all uh, uh, institute technology. And finally, there's the 20-60-20 rule. It's a story from when I was at Waste Management. Our CEO was leading a turnaround at the company. And he said to his leadership team, 20% of you know where we're going. You're with me and I appreciate that. We've got to turn the ship around. 60% of you are nervous. You're scared. I understand that. I'm going to work 24-7 to win you over. And 20% of you, you made up your minds already. You don't like me and you don't like where we're going. My commitment to you is this. You're out. Make no mistake about it, you're out. This will be the smoothest transition you've ever had. See, our CEO knew that he wasn't going to win everybody. He knew that batting a thousand, trying to win everybody over was a fool's mission. So when you make fundamental change, like a technology investment, not everybody's going to get excited about it. Not everybody's going to be um, thrilled that you're doing this. Some of those people, if you can't coach them or bring them along, are actively working against you and they need to go. That's the only way you can bring your company and your safety culture 
to the next level. My final thought is this, as you're building a safety culture, don't worry about getting it right the first time. It's more important that you act, you execute, and you, you take some, some chances with your culture than having uh, paralysis by analysis. I love this quote by General Patton. It says, a good plan violently executed today is much better than a perfect plan executed next week. We need to remember that on our journey to safety excellence. There will be two steps forward and one back, and that's okay. But in order for us as an industry to beat this insurance crisis, to stay competitive and to stay viable, we have got to focus on what we can control. I hope this conversation was helpful. I hope you stay safe in these unprecedented times. All the best. Thank you. Thank you.